when done the right way, sales is one of the most thoughtful, caring, considerate, and I'll even go so far as to say one of the most loving things you can do for another person in business. While Arjun was away, Team Arjun came to play. All the cats out of the bag now, folks, but we're still here bringing you our favorite and most importantly, actionable insights to Arjun's newest book, Profit First for Lawyers. We're going to help you accelerate your law firm's growth so that you can experience more profit in every aspect of your life. We're also going to be providing some behind-the-scenes footage of what it's really like to work with Arjun Robbins. So, put your BS aside for the next few minutes and put yourself, your family, your firm, and your profit first. Welcome back to another episode of the Profit First for Lawyers podcast. My name is Carly, and today we're starting part two of our seven-part series on the seven main parts of every successful and unsuccessful law firm. If you haven't listened to episode nine, where we went over the first main part, you're definitely going to want to check that out. We have an easy link to that episode in our show notes, so go click that, watch that, come back to this one. In each of these episodes, we'll be sharing a really valuable lesson from Arjun on the seven main parts of every successful law firm and how you can achieve some major growth by getting those parts in alignment. We're also sharing some really hot tea about why this chapter of the audiobook was the absolute bane of my existence and why it's also my favorite chapter today. I'm also going to include some deleted scenes from the cutting room floor, so be sure to stick around until the very end, folks. All right, when last we left our heroes, I had just closed out a digital meeting with Arjun, and I'd convinced him to let me undelete a chapter in the Profit First for Lawyers manuscript. I want to remind the audience at home, Arjun did not look at that chapter before I undeleted it. And I mentioned that that decision did not go well, but I also really stand by it because the book needs this chapter. So now we're a few months into the future. I had just gotten to Arjun's house in Miami. I was bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, very green, and excited to get started directing Arjun in the studio. I had these really giant binders with the manuscript printed out, single-sided, ready to go, different color pens, highlighters, translucent sticky notes, the works, right? So we get to the studio. And we're starting to find our groove, me as the executive producer slash director, and Arjun as the author and narrator. Everything, though, came screeching to a halt when we got to chapter five. Arjun started taking longer and longer pauses between sentences, and eventually he stopped reading altogether. And he looked up at me and he said, Carly, what the is this? Who wrote this? And I gently reminded him that he did. I told him, hey, Arjun, if you recall, this was a chapter that had originally been deleted from the manuscript, but that you agreed to let me put back in. Arjun asked me, did I read the chapter before letting you put it back in? And I said, no. Well, then this needs to be re-deleted. And I told him, look, we can't. The book just simply doesn't work without it. You have to record this. At which point, Arjun looked back down at the page and he told me, we're going to try this again tomorrow. When I tell you that my hands were absolutely shaking, I mean, remember, I had only been working with Arjun for a handful of months at this point. Um, but Arjun wasn't paying me to let myself be bulldozed. Bulldozed? Bulldozed? Is that a word? Whatever. He wasn't paying me to let myself be bulldozed even by him. So I stood my ground. And as a result, we now have a chapter which I love. 
All right, that's where I'm going to leave the story today. Now let's get into the meat of this episode. Last time we talked about part one, marketing. Today we're going over part two, sales, and why sales is one of the most loving things that you can do for your clients. So here's our John. Let's roll the clip. Sales is a service you do for your clients. Sales is not something you do to another person. When done the right way, sales is one of the most thoughtful, caring, considerate, and I'll even go so far as to say one of the most loving things you can do for another person in business. Sales is nothing more than helping a person make sense of their situation and find clarity about their options and then help them make an educated, informed decision about what they want to do now that they understand clearly where they are today, how the current situation might be affecting them in terms of their time, how their current situation might be affecting them in terms of their money, how their current situation might be affecting them in terms of their reputation. This is how the situation is affecting you in terms of your time, your money, and your reputation. And I found this out because I asked you questions. Sales is mostly about asking thoughtful, caring, considerate questions. Where do you want to be in the future? If I could wave my magic wand and tap you on the head with it, an instant presto, you go from where we are now to where you want to be, where would that place be? How would you want your situation to be different in terms of your time? How would you want your situation to be different in terms of your money? How would you want your situation to be different in terms of your reputation? Now we go back to where we are today and we look at an alternate future, sort of like the ghost of Christmas future. If you don't do anything about your situation as it exists today, are things likely to get better by themselves? Are things likely to stay the same? Or are things likely to get worse? Now, as a sales professional, as a thoughtful, caring, considerate, compassionate sales professional, I believe we owe our prospective new clients a duty to help them take a real honest look at these two potential futures. And if we believe that our service can help them arrive at a better place, then we should tell them that. If we believe that they're likely to wind up in a worse place without our help, we should let them know. Of course, if we believe that they're going to wind up in a worse place or the same place with or without our services, then the ethical, the professional, and even the profitable thing to do is don't make the sale. Honestly, I wish I'd heard that clip when my parents owned their business um, because it would have been really groundbreaking for them. They weren't, of course, lawyers. They were gourmet chefs. But this information could apply to any business owner. I just think that makes good business sense. I'm going to let Arjun expand on this topic just a little bit more with a bonus clip from the cutting room floor. Now, this is from the second time that Arjun attempted to read the original undeleted chapter five. So you're going to hear some of our John's frustration with the manuscript. And there's going to be some banter between the three of us, right? We had our John in the studio, myself and Dylan, who was our camera guy. And then you're going to hear some absolute brilliance from our John that would have never seen the light of day if not for this podcast. So pay attention, folks, because our John is about to expand on part two in a way that I think that you'll find intensely profitable. Let's roll the clip. The second main part of every successful law firm is the sales system. This is the system by which you convert prospective new clients into paying clients. If you get this right, 
if you build in a systematic, reliable, predictable way of converting prospective new clients into paying clients, then you get to put a process in place that you can install a non-attorney salesperson to run for you. In How to Manage a Small Law Firm, we call this role a dragon. And this comes from the Disney film or the Pixar film or the animated film. It's a cartoon called How to Train Your Dragon. And the idea there is that the villagers in that movie, they hated dragons. They were scared of dragons. Everyone knew that dragons were these horrible, terrible, nasty creatures. Except the problem is, none of them had ever actually met a dragon. And it's the same thing in law firms. And over and over and over again, we meet small law firm owners who are like the villagers in the movie How to Train Your Dragon, and they know for a fact that you can't possibly have a non-attorney salesperson until they actually meet some non-attorney salespeople and meet hundreds of our members who have non-attorney salespeople. And then they're like, oh, wow. And then they embrace the role of a non-attorney salesperson. I have so many more books I need to write. We'll come back to this later. Let's get back to the script here. Maybe at the root of it, people have a disdain. That is disdain. Oh, I heard it too. All right, okay. <laughs> they loathe it. <laughs> I loathe the word disdain. But I think this is I a good point. I disdain the word loathe. <laughs> I think it's a good point that Sucker, people don't that. like salespeople because they themselves are afraid of sales. <clears throat> That's a good point. Let's talk about that. Say that point again. At the root of it, people are afraid of salespeople because they themselves are afraid of sales. Or they don't like salespeople because they themselves are afraid of sales. I would say at the root of it, most lawyers think you have to be a lawyer to sell legal services because most lawyers don't actually understand anything about sales, which isn't their fault. They don't teach us anything in law school about sales. Once you learn how a real sale actually happens, the first thing you learn is that sales is not something you do to a person. Sales is something sincerely you do for a person. Sales is actually one of the most loving, caring, thoughtful, considerate things you can do for another person. It, it, it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing to do for another person to help them get clarity and make sense of where they are today with a problem or an opportunity, get clarity about how that problem or opportunity might be affecting them today in terms of their time, in terms of their money, in terms of their reputation, get clarity about where they want to be in the future to see a vision for a better life for themselves in terms of that better life for their time, their money, their reputation, get clarity about What's going to happen in the future if they don't let someone help them address the problem that got them to your office in the first place? I mean, when's the last time you ever met anyone who cared enough and knew enough to take you through like a systematic, organized, methodical, thoughtful process to make sense of where you are today and where you want to be and where you want to avoid being 
and then help you weigh your options and make an educated decision about what you want to do to get yourself a better future. You don't have to go to law school to do this. You just have to be a thoughtful, caring, considerate person who has the courage to have some admittedly uncomfortable conversations with a stranger. That's sales. That's how we teach non-attorney salespeople to sell hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars of legal services for every kind of law firm, every practice area you can possibly imagine. And then the lawyers, they're free to then focus on practicing law, or they're free to focus on marketing, or they're free to focus on running their business, or they're free to go on vacation for 30 days with emergency access only. And oh, by the way, non-attorney salespeople can sign non-compete agreements and lawyers can't. So the point is that there's a whole bunch of reasons why it makes a lot more financial sense, a lot more professional sense, a lot more practical sense to have a non-attorney salesperson meeting with your prospective new clients. If it's done right, the clients love it. The marketing has to set up the proper expectations. The pre-engagement glide path, which is everything that happens from the time the person schedules the appointment to the time the person shows up for the appointment, that has to be set up properly, of course. But then the clients love it. I disdain the word loathe. <laughs> I gotta say that particular moment in the studio is one that I replay often in my head. Uh, it's actually funny because when I worked with Zillin at the LQM, and every time he'd disagree with me, I'd ask him, did you loathe my idea? And he'd say, loathe. Oh, that's a fun little inside joke. Anyway, I hope you got a lot from this one today, folks. We'll keep going with the third main part in episode 13. But next time, we'll be speaking with the final member of Team Arjun who helped work on this project. We're talking to Denise. She is definitely someone who keeps all the plates spinning on Team Arjun. She's been keeping me in the dark on the clip that she chose. So we're going to find out together what the next episode is about on the next episode of Profit First for Lawyers. And that's what I have for you today, folks. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Remember to send us your feedback at podcast at profitfirstforlawyers.com and go to profitfirstforlawyers.com to order your copy of the book. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Profit First for Lawyers. If you're enjoying what you're hearing, tell a friend and buy your copy of the book at profitfirstforlawyers.com. Your future self will thank you for it. And we will see you next time.